Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by the wise, the wonderful John Ronaldo. John, how's it going, my friend? <laughs> wise and wonderful, two Ws. I am doing very, very well. Uh, we were just talking before uh, we went online recording that my kids are back in school face-to-face, five days a week. Uh, and this father is very happy right now. <laughs> well, it's nice you know, to get him out of the house and not in front of the TV. At the airing of this uh, episode, uh, I believe my kids will be back in school as well. Uh, both of our kids uh, um, go to Catholic school, so that's why they're actually in school, where I know a lot of the nation, um, public schools at least, are, are, are virtual. So, um, yes, uh, I am imagining that it is nicer uh, and that I am getting more work done and that I'm not editing out um, <laughs> children yelling in the background. Um, as many of you, we, we just want to take a moment, John, <clears throat> to thank our listeners because no one has ever commented or complained, at least to me, about like kids knocking on the door or screaming outside or, you know, any of these little interruptions that sometimes I just leave in because you know what, I'm just too lazy to edit them out or it's just too hard. My, my audio equipment and expertise just does not go that far. But so uh, we do apologize, but we are grateful <laughs> for everyone who has accepted our reality. And so we're here's hoping to quieter podcast episodes uh, after uh, this, uh, the next one, because uh, <laughs> I think we're still recording with my kids, at least uh, yeah. in, in the home area. But anyway, I well, it's funny. I, I know many of you who are listening understand this as well, especially if you got kids. Like I have a system where I close the door and I have a sign on the door that says, don't come in. Yeah, it doesn't never stops my five-year-old and three-year-old from coming in. So I've been in so many meetings where like my kids are meeting, you know, my colleagues across the country that I'm meeting with. And, and really all they want is me to open their snack for them. Like that's the only reason they come in. So it is what it is, but it is a little quieter in the Ronaldo household these days as I am the only one home for the first time really since since this all started back in March. So I am grateful, but I am super grateful that we are continuing uh, this particular series on parish councils. I think it's a huge need, Chris, and, and I'm already starting to get some feedback. Um, people really appreciated some of the things that we're talking about. And of course, part of this is a precursor to the masterclass that, that uh, we'll be offering through Parish Success Group starting on October 20th. So we'll, we'll provide links in the show notes uh, directly to our website where you can find out all the details about this particular masterclass where we're really going to delve into all the details, how you make all this happen. But today, Chris, we're going to kind of continue from last time talking about the structure of parish councils. But in particular, I want to talk about the need for what I'm going to call subcommittees. And so that's where we're going to go today. So we've done the purpose. We've done the big picture structure. So now we're going to kind of get into a little more weeds here with subcommittees. You know, honestly, when you said subcommittees and you had that pause, I almost wanted to enter in with bum, 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 you know, because uh, honestly, um, that's how I feel about subcommittees. You know, I just, uh, I'm not, I'm just not a huge fan of, of poorly run meetings. And when I think about the antithesis of poorly run meetings, I think like subcommittees, you know, and so the big question, John, that I'm going to ask on behalf of some of our listeners is like, why do we have to have subcommittees? Like, what's the point of subcommittees? Like, really, do we have to have subcommittees? Because aren't we going to just de- be death 
by committee and uh, slow down by committee? Like, do we really have to have all these subcommittees? Like, come on, John, sell me on it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go for uh, throw you for a loop here. I'm gonna say no. You don't necessarily have to have subcommittees. But I think it's and dependent thank on your you structure. For listening to the church podcast. Yeah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no subcommittees. <laughs> I think, Chris, it really depends on the size of your parish and what your needs really are, right? Our bigger parishes who are listening to this podcast are probably going to have a higher need for subcommittees and maybe more smaller parish or more, or more rural parishes. But the reality is uh, uh, it, this is about helping with the functioning of the organization. Again, we talked about before where, you know, we need more than just the parish staff to be helping to lead and make these things a reality. Uh, and the subcommittees often help provide a little bit more meat and intentionality around topics that you typically shouldn't or don't have time to get to at a regular pastoral council meeting. Uh, and so here's, I'm gonna throw out a couple of subcommittees that I think many parishes should consider happening. And then we'll kind of break those open there a little bit. But we already talked about the pastoral council is kind of the main committee, the finance committee. We'll talk about that momentarily. The finance committee technically is not a subcommittee of the parish council, but I'm going to argue that we need to consider it to be a subcommittee of the parish council. They're not equals. Okay. I'll come back to that in a second. Here are a couple other committees that we need to take a look at. Uh, I think we need to look at having a stewardship or development committee who's gonna really focus energy on the, uh, the time, talent, treasure that we often talk about with quite honestly, uh, a lot of energy does need to be considered around the treasure piece, uh, but also the volunteering piece. So I think that's a, a, a subcommittee that needs to be considered. A formation subcommittee needs to be considered as well, right? When we look at formation, a lot of times that's the thrust of what it is that we do uh, as a parish is around formation. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that a liturgy subcommittee. Now, a lot of parishes have a liturgy committee, right? But the liturgy committee in, in often doesn't function in cooperation with the parish council. You know, so again, what you're hearing, Chris, is me rattling off some things that probably already exist in many parishes. What I'm looking at doing is with these subcommittees is having an intentional alignment between what the parish council and the finance council are doing with all these other subcommittees, right? formation, stewardship and development, uh, liturgy. Uh, and I'm going to say that, that, that uh, uh, one other committee that you probably need to consider is the school advisory committee or the school parish parent advisory committee. Every school calls it a little bit differently. But all of these different groups need to have some sort of semblance of connection with the parish council. And what I often find, Chris, is that's not the case. Parish council is over here doing one thing, finance council is over here. If you have a formation committee, it's doing its own thing. Liturgy is doing its own thing. The school committee is doing its own thing. And, and we got to break down those silos, Chris. We've talked about that before. We have to break that down. And this is one of the ways that we consider doing that. Uh, um, okay. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm processing it because you, know, <laughs> you still haven't sold me on committees. Although, you know, it's funny, like, um, I want to go back to something you said before, and it depends on the size of the parish. Now, when you say size of the parish, do you mean um, si size of membership or size of staff? Because if you have a large staff, like, um, how does that impact the amount of committees that you have? 
um, versus if you have a small staff. See, if you have a small staff, I see the need for a committee, right? You could sell me on that. But if I have a large staff, like um, uh, committees could almost, committees in the sense that you've described it, and maybe I'm mishearing it, but the way that you've described it can create um, uh, competing systems that could actually be more harm than not having a committee. Mm -hmm. So could you break that, could you explain that a little bit further when you say size? Yeah, so I, I don't think there's a difference between size of parish and size in terms of membership and size of staff, because I think there's a, the larger the parish, the larger the staff, right? I think you, you've got that, that, that connection, that ratio going on. So I'm not sure I would distinguish between the two, but I hear what you're saying. Um, again, this, these committees are not supposed to uh, replace what staff is doing, but they're supposed to be in support of uh, what the staff is doing in line with what the pastoral council and the pastor and the staff are creating in terms of strategic planning, pastoral planning, things like that, right? And the committees can help to uh, bring that out, to flush it out and to, to help make it a reality. So when I say these subcommittees, oftentimes what I mean is that they are working in, again, just like before, working in collaboration with staff that is overseeing and representing these, uh, these particular areas. And in many cases, like for instance, if there's a director of faith formation, that staff member needs to be on that subcommittee. Right. So if you have a liturgy director, they should be on the liturgy subcommittee, right? Helping drive a lot of the agenda, just like the pastor helps drive a lot of the agenda for the pastoral council, right? The liturgy director is going to help drive the liturgy committee's agenda. The formation director is going to help drive the formation. If you're lucky enough to have a stewardship and development staff member, not many parishes do, but some do, right? That person will help drive the stewardship committee and their work. Obviously, you have a principal, you know, uh, if you have a school, so the principal would help drive that. So again, it's all about collaboration and communication. None of this is happening absent of the parish staff. If it is, that's a total separate issue that, that we need to address. Does that help a little bit, Chris? No, it does. It does. And I think uh, it's good that you emphasize that, right? Because I've um, been in part of parishes and I've worked with parishes where the committee functions separate from the staff member as almost like a distrust from the pastor that that staff member isn't capable of managing that. Or um, <clears throat> the committee existed before the staff member came and the staff members hired on and that committee chair is then like having, there's like a little bit of a power struggle that's going on and that they're trying to set the agenda when really going back to your point, right? The staff members is, is driving that agenda because you know, it, it's gotta be in sync with, with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then also just uh, poor communication of this committee member subcommittee goes to parish council, right, and doesn't necessarily report back. And, and I guess like where part of me is hesitant because I've seen this is that a lot of times, even if you have these subcommittees, you have parish council, you have subcommittees, it's almost like the secret meeting that happens and nothing is ever, you know, uh, um, uh, cascaded or communicated to the rest of the staff. But that's a conversation for another time when we talk about communication. But really, I think that's where, um, you know, some of my clients and, and even myself, I'll put that there, gets really weary about parish council's role and committee's role because it starts to seem like this, like alternate organization that uh, 
has this inside information because they are with the pastor and uh and yeah yeah so if people are feeling that way um uh, what I will encourage them to do on behalf of John is like that the committee itself is not an evil entity that's going to take over your job or replace what you do. But if that's the case, it's not the committee in itself. It's just poor communication. Yeah, it's poor communication. I totally agree with you, Chris. It's poor communication. And then I think the other issue is sometimes ego on both ends, right? You know, it's like this as a staff member, as a pair of staff member, I knew that I couldn't do it all by myself, right? And I had to put my ego aside as a staff member to say, I do need support. And, you know, I look at when I was a business manager and the role that the finance council played in supporting me was absolutely tremendous. Um, and, and when I came on new, they did help orient me and provide direction because they knew the parish better than I did, right? And they knew the inner workings. And so there was an aspect of they're really leading the way at first as I got oriented as a new staff member. Now, as I got more settled, well, then I started leading the way and then it ended up being more of a back and forth type of thing. But see, a lot of that is just ego, Chris, and we got to put that aside. That goes back to the purpose of the parish council. The purpose of the parish council is, and all these subcommittees is, is not about like fulfilling a, a, a power role, right, that I have. Although I have insider information because I, I meet with the pastor and whatnot. If it's about that, you should not be on the committee because you are, are letting your ego get in the way. So, so parish council members need to consider that, but also staff members need to consider that too, that that I need to work in collaboration with people that I don't do it on their own. But yes, communication is a huge part of this. How do we communicate uh, what's happening? The minutes, by the way, of any, either a pastoral council, finance council, or any subcommittee, the minutes need to be recorded, right? We talked about that structure before of having kind of a, a secretary person to kind of help with that, right? Uh, the minutes need to be recorded and they need to be published as appropriate, right? The minutes of the pastoral council meeting should always go to uh, the entire pair of staff. Always. That, that's a no-brainer really? to me, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, right? They, they should be in the loop of, of all that stuff. Now, if there's particular confidential types of things, you know, maybe they're, they're talking about employment issues or HR issues or things sure. like that. Well, then those are things that we need to consider not having in the general minutes. But every meeting that the pastoral council has and these subcommittees have needs to generate some sort of minutes. Now, when I talk about minutes, Chris, people go crazy with minutes. I'm not talking about minutes that details absolute every single word that every single person says. No, like at 7.05, the pastor coughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, here, here are the two things that need to be recorded in minutes. And this is good for staff. This is good for any meeting, right? Uh, decisions that were made and, and actions that people need to take, right? Those are the only two things that need to be considered. Now, if there is a brainstorming meeting around a particular topic where no decisions and no actions are decided, but you want to record those ideas, then I think that's a separate thing, but that's not the norm, right? That, that, that's kind of an extra thing. But a lot of people get caught up in minutes. It's like, you know, the only thing you need to do is decisions and action items that people are going to, to move on and who, right? You know, right. If, I, if, if John Ronaldo is going to run with this particular action item, then put my name next to it because then it holds me accountable for doing that. 
No, that, that, that's excellent. And it, it's so good that you're clearing that up, um, you know, because uh, again, I think that's where there is a little bit of this iffiness. And, you know, we, we've talked about clericalism before, right? And, you know, it, in committees, this is where that new kind of clericalism can sort of emerge with, with committees and councils and power. But having that laid out structure, having a good communication plan, um, you, know, uh, you know, just where you cascade that information should resolve a lot of those issues. Now, all right. I'm not sure if you're going to this next, and so we, we can pause or go forward, but um, the formation of these committees, right? Um, you know, is that something that the staff, if there's a staff member associated with that, right? Is that something that the staff member forms? Is that something that the parish council forms? Um, and then the second part of that question is, how is there a difference between um, a, a subcommittee, like let's just say with formation, let's just say I'm the director of formation, right? Is there a difference between a subcommittee for formation versus like a leadership team that I might have as director of formation? Like what would be the differences and, and should you have both or just one? Yep. That's a good question. So first of all, if you don't have any of these subcommittees in place, you do not need to race to put them all in place right away. Okay. So, so, so don't feel pressure to, to kind of do that. I'm just saying, as we look at the functioning of the parish, it's something that you really need to consider. Okay. So let's just use the formation committee as example, Chris, right? Uh, who forms it? Well, first of all, you, you know, the pastor needs to have a conversation with the director of faith formation uh, and the youth ministry director and the adult faith for whoever kind of oversees all formation, because there's usually in many cases, especially larger parishes, there's multiple staff members that are responsible. You need to have a conversation of kind of visioning out what's the purpose of what this formation committee is going to do, right? I think that's the first step. So don't go create a committee before you understand its purpose, right? And that needs to be done in collaboration with all the staff members who are involved in parish for, uh, formation, as well as the pastor, certainly, and as well as a member or two of the pastoral council, right? So you got to nail down the purpose of each of these co committees first, right? And it needs to be written down, right? What is the purpose of the formation, the stewardship, the liturgy committee, right? Uh, and then, once you do that, if there's, if you feel that there is a need to have this committee in support of formation, then I think it's a both end of who invites, right? I think the members of the pastoral council as well as staff help come up with the makeup uh, and inviting people to be part of this subcommittee. And one of those people should be a representative to the parish council. And that becomes part of the liaison of you know, the, the parish council and say the formation committee or any of these subcommittees. So, but I think it's a both end, Chris. I think it's an excellent question. I think they both should be working together to determine what the purpose is and then who to invite to be part of that. Okay, and so how is that uh, different than a strategic leadership team um, in, in that regards? Uh, because like in a strategic leadership team, right? If I, if I want a strategic leadership team as a leader, no matter what my position, I need to be able to trust those people and those people need to be able to work well. And those are usually self-appointed, right? I mean, those are usually people that I, the leader of whatever department is picking that. Now, is that duplicating the process? Is that creating just more of a mess? If that committee exists, um, what will your insight be into that situation? So the answer is maybe it might be more of a mess. It might not be. It, again, it depends on, on how you want to function. In my mind, the, the say the formation committee is focused more on vision and helping implement whatever 
pastoral plan priorities might come from the parish council, right? Now, you may have some overlap, but in terms of, say, a leadership team for your, your ministry and the, the subcommittee, but I think there's, there's more of a visioning advisory type of piece. And then you, you have the doers, right? You know, that the doers are the ones that, that are going to make it happen, which are often more of the strategic leadership team that you're talking about, Chris. Now, again, I, I, it's not black and white. Like, it's really gray. It's really fuzzy. But those are, those are the questions that you should be asking as a parish before you go ahead and develop, say, the subcommittee for formation or liturgy or whatever it may be, because it can get a little bit fuzzy. Now, with formation those are the areas that you tend to have a lot more structure in place already, right? Because we focus so much energy on formation, youth ministry, children's formation, et cetera. So you may not have a need for an education or a formation committee, subcommittee, but something like liturgy, for instance, where you, maybe it's, it is less structured, then there might be more of a need to develop a liturgy. I, I think every parish needs a liturgy committee. I think it's a no brainer, but I've experienced parishes that don't have that. Yeah, no, and, and liturgy committee, uh, something like stewardship committee makes sense because with stewardship committees, there's so many different projects that pop up from capital campaigns to your, you know, annual appeal to, you know, things along those lines. And unless you have a development director on staff or a stewardship, stewardship director, which isn't usually one of the first positions that are hired, like something like that, lit, lit, liturgical committee makes sense because, you know, maybe that's more focused not on the week to week liturgy, but like Christmas, Easter, um, the solemnity, you know, things along those lines, um, where it definitely expands the capacity of that. Um, but it, it is good to know that subcommittees aren't always necessary, and that there is something that can aid uh, the pastor and the pastoral council. Um, but really, what we're talking about is creating a system that enables the, the parish council to just be in the loop with almost day-to-day -day things or initiatives that are going on and to expand that capacity of the pastor. Yeah. And it goes back to the communication piece that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. A lot of this is about setting you you're up for success in terms of communication, in terms of structure, in terms of strategic and pastoral planning. And these subcommittees become a way of helping support the staff and being able to do that. Um, you know, quite honestly, one of the other subcommittees that needs to be considered and not all the time, not, and these aren't necessarily standing committees that, that you need to have going all the time, but is, is a, a pastoral strategic planning, uh, team. And maybe if, if, if you need it, a smaller team that helps drive, say the pastoral planning process every two, three years, that might be necessary for the parish, right? Again, that's not necessarily a standing subcommittee, but that is a function of the pastoral council. And sometimes the pastoral council finds it helpful to have a smaller group that helps drive that pastoral strategic planning of the parish, but, but not always. Sometimes the parish council can do that on their own without a subcommittee to drive it. Cool. So we've talked about um, the formation of the committees. We've talked about the purpose of the committees. Um, you know, how do we uh, how do we evaluate the effectiveness of these committees, right? And um, you know, uh, so almost going to accountability. Like part of it's you know the staff, part of it's the parish council and everything like that. But like, how how do we know a committee is being effective in, in what they do? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really excellent question. Uh, first of all, I think the first step if there's no conflict. <laughs> between say staff and council, like we were talking about earlier, that's a huge win right there. Right. You know um, you know, but I think it's about, you know, the priorities. Are we, are we moving forward on the priorities? Are we creating the change? Are we having the impact 
that we want to be having in all these fields in formation, leadership, and liturgy, and stewardship at the school, if we have a parish school, right? You know, are we, are we, do we, are we seeing growth in, in formation? Are we seeing more dynamic and engaging liturgies? Are we seeing giving go up? You know, these are all metrics that we need to go back and consider, like how do we measure success of a parish? I think the parish council again, in collaboration with the, the pastor and the staff, needs to help develop the metrics that help us determine that we are actually moving forward and we are actually creating the impact uh, and, and moving forward on the mission of Jesus Christ in our parishes, right? These, all these committees, parish, parish council and the subcommittees help develop those metrics in collaboration with the staff. But I think that's going to be different for every parish, Chris. So, I mean, I think there's some no-brainers, right? Mass attendance going up, giving going up, enrollment and faith formation. Uh, but I still go back to RCIA. You know, I think we talked about that previously. Uh, the RCIA numbers, are, are, I think, are still one of the telltale signs that a parish is, is having the transformative effect that it's looking for is RCIA numbers are going up because RCIA typically is adults and it's people who are willingly coming into a process that's just different than children's formation with first Eucharist, you know, and, and confirmation and things like that. But those are the conversations that you need to be having as a, as a pastoral council, as a finance council, and then the subcommittees as well. You have to determine that. Let me throw in one more. And if it's good, you can add it to your masterclass, John. Um, if not, you know, we'll just save it for your church podcast. But uh, another measurement is, if the pastor is sitting at parish council and a subcommittee reports something that is uh, um, a surprise in a negative way to something that the pastor should have heard from the staff member, then that's a sign that that has not been effective, right? So it should be consistent communication across the board. Like, you know, if a subcommittee member says, hey, we had like, you know, a thousand, um, you know, people give at this praise and worship event that we did and the pastor didn't know about that until then, that's okay. You know, it's, it's always good to be pleasantly surprised. But if it's like, yeah, you know, we accidentally burnt the church barn down, uh, you know, at last night's lock-in, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if churches have barns, but, you know, like, and he didn't hear that from the youth minister or from the DRE or whatnot, then that's not necessarily good as well. So communication has to be consistent. The pastor, um, while he doesn't have to be necessarily 100% loop of everything, he should not be surprised at parish council when something is not reported. Uh, to him by staff. And, uh, and that shows a disconnect between the staff member and the committee um, and, or the staff member and the pastor. Yes, I think that's so great. So career management 101, if you are a staff member who is working at a parish, here, here's a 101 fact that you need to know. Your boss, your supervisor, your pastor should never be surprised. All right. Meaning, if they need to hear it from you first before they hear it from other people. So there's, there's career advice for everybody. Yeah. But I think it goes in line with not only how well the councils are, are communicating and the committees are communicating with each other, but also it very much goes in line with, with the one-on-one -on -one structures that we talked about way back in previous episodes, right? That if you are a supervisor, you should be meeting weekly one-on-one -on -one with all your supervisees, right? And it's those one-on-ones with staff you know, members and supervisor that usually clears up any of those surprises and creates that semblance of communication that we're really looking for. So this, this goes in collaboration with the idea of one-on-ones and this council structure we're talking about. Well, and, that, and it also goes back to my earlier concern about subcommittees not communicating, you know, or being necessary or whatnot, where if you're a pastor and you don't have a, a management team or strategic team with your staff 
in addition to your parish council, depending on the size of your staff, and there's not that reporting back and forth, then that's what's going to break down. And that's where a lot of surprises and miscommunication is going to happen and everything like that. So if you don't have these reporting structures um, or these communication structures in place, it doesn't matter how many committees you're going to create. Uh, it's just going to add to the chaos um, in that regard. So setting those things up in place uh, and how things are shared. You know, even John, I really take solace in the fact that you said that parish minutes um, or parish council minutes should be available to staff. You know, it's just so that, yeah, again, nothing is taken by surprise. Mm -hmm. No one is taken by surprises because when there's so many surprises that that erodes the trust um, that staff committees teams can have. And, and that's not going to be good moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the thought? And again, we're going to flush out a lot more detail on how to do this. Like what does that communication and reporting structure look like? Those are the things that we need to delve into more, Chris. And that's what we're going to do with the masterclass in particular, because I think that's really important. Uh, but, but I think one of the, the realities that, that we need to consider is, is, the, is the connection between the finance council and the parish council. So I said at the beginning, it's a bold statement saying, I think the finance committee should be, in essence, a subcommittee of the pastoral plan, uh, pastoral uh, council or the parish council. This is going to ruffle people. And I understand that, but, but I know I, I, I dropped my uh, mug when you said, that. <laughs> but, but here, yeah. here's why. Okay. And, and let's just process this for a moment before we wrap up this particular episode, right? Is, is we mentioned in previous episodes that when, the money should not drive the mission. The mission should drive the money. That, that, that I think is, is a vision that we should all have, right? Now, we need to operate with a realistic understanding of money, right? But the money doesn't drive the mission. The mission drives the money. So that's why I think this relationship between the parish council and the finance council needs to be looked at a, a little bit more in detail. And certainly there needs to be a member of the finance committee or finance council is on the parish council. That, that's a must. That has to happen, right? But the, the, the finance council has to be responsive to, say, the pastoral planning processes that come into place, right? So if we're going to have a two, three-year three strategic plan that we're going to focus on X, Y, Z, well, then the finance committee then can help determine how do we fund X, Y, Z, Right. And now the finance committee can help create limits on what's realistic. That's what they should be doing. But the finance, the budget is created in light of planning, in light of strategic planning or pastoral planning, and not the other way around. Right. Too often we finance committee members, and this is their job, finance committee members are telling you what you can and can't do. And there's a little box that you need to operate in. And so then the pastor and the parish council operate within that box. I think it should be the other way around. The parish council should have a vision of what could be in light of the mission of the church, right? And then the, the finance council has to figure out how do we fund that realistically? So the parish council may want to do a whole bunch of things, but the finance council comes back and says, nah, maybe you can't do all that, but we can do this. So it, it kind of shrinks it a little bit, but then it, it provides the the, the structure to kind of move forward on that. But the finance council can't do that successfully unless the parish council provides vision to be able to do that. So I think we need to really rethink the relationship between the parish council and the finance council. Uh, and again, because 
The mission drives the finances. In that case, I would say, in essence, the finance council really operates in collaboration to help fund the way the parish council does its work. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Makes total <laughs> Good. Sense. Sometimes I hear myself, I'm like, am I making sense? <laughs> no, no, you, you definitely made sense. And, and it's good to break that down and, uh, and, and talk about these things, right? Because, uh, you know, um, I think, you know, if, if I were, well, I am a business owner, right? And one of the beauties of starting my own business is I can start these things from scratch. A lot of pastors, right, they are assigned to a parish. Uh, they don't necessarily get the opportunity to come in and say, all right, parish council disband, finance council disband, committees disband, let's start from scratch, right? That you have to work with what you have. And, and so, um, and, and then, you know, the better, uh, you know, on the council side, you're walking in, new leadership is walking in, right? And uh, now you have to adjust some of those things. So to talk about the balance and the communication and how these things work together are so important. And, uh, you know, whether your diocese reassigns people every so often, or, you know, you're a pastor there until, uh, you know, God calls you to some, some other place, you know, it's, uh, it's basically important to constantly, like, look at councils, committees, um, and especially, uh, um, especially, you know, um, when it comes to the, the relationship between parish council and finance council. And because as you mentioned in previous episodes, right, finance council, that's part of canon law, we need to have that there. Parish council, optional, but definitely encouraged and, uh, and definitely a benefit in there. And you have to be able to distinguish the difference between the two. John, I'm going to give you a little report card. I'm going to give you a uh, A minus on uh, helping me uh, get more on board with committees and subcommittees. So, uh, you know, um, I, I won't tell you why you didn't get an A plus, but uh, A minus, <laughs> uh, you should feel good about it. A plus. I just feel like I'd be giving it away. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, any final thoughts or uh, comments or challenges you want to throw out to our listeners before we wrap this up? Well, again, just to recap, I, I think you do need a parish and finance council for sure. Like that's a, a no brainer. I think, you know, subcommittees, I think the subcommittees are optional depending on what your needs are, but liturgy for sure, probably you need it. Formation, stewardship committee. If you have a school, certainly you need a school, a subcommittee to help with the pastoral uh, uh, strategic planning process. Those are some things to think about, you know, and, but then as, as you start to implement this, Chris, again, you, we came, kept going back to communication, communication, communication. What does the communication and reporting structure look like, right? So if a parish council meets, say, monthly, right, if that's what you choose, right, are these subcommittees meeting monthly and is there a report that's given, you know, to the parish council and vice versa? Those are some of the things that we need to kind of work through. But I'm excited about this particular topic, Chris, because I think it's a huge need and I'm definitely excited about this masterclass I'll be doing on, on October 20th. If you're interested in being involved in that, again, it's going to go uh, for multiple days. It's going to be about eight hours uh, of a masterclass uh, beginning October 20th. Uh, check us out at parasuccessgroup.com. You'll get all the details there. By the time this episode's posted, uh, all the details will definitely be on the web. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. Awesome. And, and that's another way you can connect with John is through the parish success group. But John, if they want to reach out to you in other ways, how else can they uh, get to know you? Well, all my details are definitely there on the website. But uh, if you want to connect with me on Twitter at John Ronaldo is how you can connect with me. Cool. And you can find me at MarathonYouthMinistry.com or all things Marathon Youth Ministry social media. And uh, if you want to get in touch with both of us or have questions for this podcast, uh, shoot us an email at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. 
questions at thechurchpodcast.org. And if you like this episode and want to hear more, just go to the uh, churchpodcast.org or go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, share this with your friends, your family members, your parish council, uh, anyone you feel like could benefit from this show. We want to, again, thank you so much for listening to us, for being a part of this, uh, part of this. And uh, John, will you close us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to be uh, on the podcast and, and just sharing, uh, hopefully, nuggets of wisdom that hopefully helps people out in the field of uh, Catholic ministry. Lord, we just ask you to bless all those who are charged with the advisory and governance structures of parishes. You know, may they, they have uh, the, the, the wisdom and, and be led by you, Lord, to, to help guide uh, the parish in, in, in your mission, in the work of discipleship, Lord. So, so be with all those who take on that important role uh, as parish council members and finance council members. We pray for them in their work. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.